We're in a series called The Power of Words, and uh, I knew I was only going to have a few minutes really to go through this, and so I'm going to go through it quite quickly. Um, but uh, by the way, we, we're starting Cannon Falls, second, November, second Sunday in November in the evening at 5 o'clock. We're going to do a church service in Cannon Falls, and uh, it's just incredible that when you're obedient to God's Word, how He provides in so many ways. Um, we couldn't, the small group has already started. It was already too big for the house they were meeting in. And so they're having to split it and do two. Day, and uh, September 11th, you didn't know this, but the church, same organization that had our Richfield building, that we bought our Richfield building from, are in Cannon Falls. And uh, uh, Brandon, who's doing an extraordinary job, in fact, the plums are back there. They're part of our, our Cannon Falls campus back there. Wave at us back there. They're the plums. They were in Richfield with us when we went in the building. That church is going, they were dying just as they were in Richfield. They were dying, but they said, you know what you did in Richfield and how that is a different place and the people that are there and the young family. He says, we're going to give you our building in Cannon Falls. So they gave us their building in Cannon Falls for us, just gave it to us. And um, just bless. And so Brandon, of course, was excited. Uh, it's a 1909 sanctuary with a bell tower, you know, on it. But then there's this, there's an office area off the side of it, which is built in the 60s. So it's a lot of possibilities. It's just it's not our forever building, but it is our building. And um, and we're just excited to see what God does in Cannon Falls. So I'll be preaching every Sunday night starting in November as well as all of these. And so be praying for us. We will definitely need it. Um, but we're in this series called Power of Words. Power of Words. Amazing truth about the tongue. I'm going to give you four amazing truths about the tongue. And they're going to be pretty good, pretty quick points. Sound good? Um, how many have a hard time, if it weren't in the Bible, you'd have a hard time believing that your words have that much importance, right? Like, I'm, like I'm really, I'm preaching this message, and I'm going through, and I'm studying, and the Bible talks about the tongue all the time. In fact, in weddings anymore, the one thing that really only talk about in the sermonette part is get your words right, and you'll have a great marriage. Because if you have a bad marriage, it's probably because your words are bad right? And you're reading all these books, and you're doing all this, and really it comes back to how you talk to each other. That's really what will determine marriage for you. And, and it's just, it really is amazing to me, like, to what extent do my words impact things? So yesterday, I'm a Wisconsin Badger fan. I grew up in Wisconsin, about an hour from Madison, north of Madison, a little farming town. And so I love the Badgers. I love Badger football. And, and, uh, and so uh, yesterday, you know, they're losing to Ohio State. They lost, and I'm getting frustrated. So I started tweeting, "It's time to fire the coach," you know. And then, and I'm telling my wife, "He's horrible. He's awful." And and I'm sitting there, and my wife's like, "James, your words." <laughs> and it and it really is true. Like that's what I'm preaching about in words, and we just subtly, carelessly say things we don't think about it. But then I got thinking, like. Do I really believe my words make an impact? And, and especially, do I believe that when I speak words about someone else that I'm never going to talk to, at least I don't think I'm ever going to talk to this person, like I'm just frustrated that he's losing and I just hate, you know, you know I, I don't mind losing, but I just don't like losing, right? 
And so I, I know it doesn't make any sense, but it makes me feel good inside. <laughs> right? Here, here's the reality is, it's like, is, are those words making a difference? Like, am I cursing? The, like, how, how is it that, like, when I go in and, and the Starbucks person makes my drink wrong every, every time, and it takes forever to make it wrong? And, I, and then I just finally say to someone, this is horrible, this is a terrible place. Is, is that really impacting the, the Starbucks? Do it like, it's in those moments, do I really believe that that's making an impact? And here, here's the thing where the Holy Spirit kind of brought me to. It's not so much of whether or not it's making a difference in that person. It's a question of what kind of mouth am I going to have? Is it going to be a mouth that speaks life or a mouth that speaks death? And if it's a mouth that speaks life, it, it really doesn't matter if me talking about Paul Crisp, the Wisconsin Badgers, needs to get fired. It's a matter of that's the mouth that I speak to my wife about things. And is it going to be a life-giving mouth or is it going to be a death Mouth. Does this make sense? It's such a wrestling match because I don't know that, I know it's in the Bible. I know it says in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I know it says in Proverbs 10, 11, the mouth of a good person is a deep living, life-giving well, but the mouth of the wicked is a dark cave of abuse. And I know it says in Proverbs 10, 32, the speech of a good person is, clears the air and the words of the wicked pollute it. But the question really is, do I believe it? I know it says it, but until I believe it, it I, I'm, I'm really not going to see any change. And, and even then, how many have discovered it is very difficult to change your mouth? Can I just give you a moment of relief? You can't. Let's pray and go home. Dear God, we need mercy. No, right? Like, okay, so you're telling me that my life, if, it, if I want to see it changed... I need to change the way I speak. And then the, the problem is, I can't change the way I speak. That's what I'm telling you. You can only have an impact on what comes out of your mouth. And this is the reality. I think a lot of, especially younger people today, have fallen into, maybe, maybe younger being in your 60s. See, I spoke life to all the 60-year-olds in this room, right? <laughs> uh, somebody should have said amen. I didn't even get an amen for that, <laughs> right? So here, here it is. If you want to change what's coming out of your mouth, you have to stop what's coming into your ear. The stuff that the world is feeding you in your heart will come out as death. The stuff you're listening to, you're having a hard time connecting to your future and your life because it doesn't change your life in the way of your thinking today. But you don't realize that what comes in today affects a few weeks from now. 
It begins to change the way you see things in the world. What you're listening to will begin to change because faith comes from and hearing the... It bege, it, what you're listening to changes your faith to believe things to be true that may be true and may not be true. And then out of your mouth, I'm just saying the truth because you really believe it's true. James 3, out of all the verses and chapters in the Bible, James chapter 3 has more voice verses about the t- or, or information about the tongue than any other chapter. Although Proverbs talks about it the most, James, that chapter, has the most. Here's what it says in the message. Don't be in any rush to become a teacher, my friends. Teaching is highly responsible work. Teachers are held to strictest standards, and none of us is perfectly qualified. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouth. Oh, dear Lord. (laughs) If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of his life. What? Like with all the addictions and lusts and all those evil, you're saying if I could get this right, that I, I could be a perfect person? That's what, I didn't say that. That's what James says. That James, not, not me. <laughs> now, let me reread in the King James, New King James. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Isn't that true? All right. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a what? A perfect man. And, and I put the wow in there. <laughs> wow. Wow. That literally the one thing more important than anything else in my life is me understanding the importance of my mouth, able to keep his whole body in check. If I want to see some things in my life change, it's going to start where? With my mouth. And if it starts with my mouth, from my mouth, it's like seeds that work out goodness in my life. It changes. It causes me. If you could get the, to the place where you could control your tongue, you would also be able to control your body. So there are four truths, and, and I'm going to go through them quickly. The first one is the tongue is disproportionately powerful, disproportionately powerful. It has more power than any other part of our body, and it's just this little thing right here, All right? Just go ahead, little thing right there. James 3 says, when we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are given by, uh, driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot, Holy Spirit possibly, I'd put that in there, wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It's corru- it corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. So there's, there's really there's three analogies he gives. The first one is the bridle. 
the, it's a bridle or a bit. How many work with horses? Then you know horses are very powerful animals, very strong animals. And uh, if you're to try to control a horse with your own strength, you are going to fail, right? Unless it's a little dinky pony, you're probably not going to succeed. No one in here has the muscle power to outdo a horse, right? And so or in order, so a horse would go and do whatever it wants, it goes wherever it wants until you put a bridle in its mouth, and then at that point, with the bridle in its mouth, you can begin to give the horse purpose. You can give the horse direction using the bit that's in there, uh, in the mouth to control the direction of the horse. How many, what I just said is true, right? Okay, so in this analogy, what James is saying, the power of words to impact, and, and I really think in many ways, James was directly impacting your children. Your children are running around like wild horses. It's time to understand the importance of the words you're using to begin to direct your kids and put, give them a bit in the mouth. How you speak to your children is going to start to impact where your children go in life. The bit in the mouth, it, and the same is true with any, any situation, it says, if, uh, if you consi anyone considers himself religious, which in the Greek means serving God, yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion, service of God, is worthless. What? I mean, it all comes back to the tongue. The second analogy is the rudder. You think of how big a ship is or an airplane, and the rudder is such a little thing in, in considering how big that ship is in comparison to the size of the ship, that and yet it controls the direction of where you're going. The same is true with your words. Your words will determine where you end up in life. Your words are like a rudder. So when you say, I'm just so dumb, guess what? That rudder just turned to dumb. When you say, I'm a very smart individual, say that with me, I am a very smart individual, all the rudders in unison just turned to smart, right? Say this with me, I am extremely good looking. There, there was a person that I was talking to, and they very dressed very well. They're a very good-looking person. It's a woman, and, and she, she, uh, she dresses very well. And I said, man, you look good today. And she goes, you know what? Most, most mornings I say, uh, and she said her name, I look, and, and, and uh, she's got some ethnicity in her, so she, got a, she goes, uh, most mornings I say, you look good today. And he goes, this morning I woke up, I got dressed, I said, you look good most days, but today you look real good. <laughs> right? How many know when you look real good, right? That's, that's today. Uh, but the rudder determines where we're going. The third one is the spark. And this is the one I think we can, we can talk to. When, when um, my kids were in high school, we went to Yellowstone National Park. I'd encourage all of you to go to Yellowstone at some point. Obviously not this year because they would probably send you back, all the flooding there. Well, we went there. and we, It was beautiful. We saw all of the things. We saw the animal. It, it was just a pretty great trip. And uh, we, we, it was beautiful. And we go up over this hill and it was just burnt out. Stumps, half, all black stumps all over. The whole place was scorched. It was like we left heaven and went to hell. Uh, it was horrible. All from a forest fire 
that started from someone who carelessly flicked out a cigarette out their window and completely devastated the land. How many know where I'm going with this? Yes, don't throw cigarettes out the window. No, stop smoking. No, that's not where I'm going with this. Here's where I'm going with this. Your words carelessly thrown out the window, you didn't even give it a second thought, can create a fire in someone's life and devastate them. How we use our words and the importance of taking them into account. I said something, we had staff retreat last week, and while I was sitting in service and worship this morning in the first service, the Lord reminded me of something I said that was no intent behind it at all, but it was something I said that I realized that I have to go back now and actually, I didn't even think, I was saying it as a compliment to someone else which would have served as a spark to, to others. Not even thinking of it because I wasn't, how many have done that? But to be able to go back and say, this is what I want you to know I believe is true. Does that make sense? Like the power of words and, and how we use them. Here's the second point, the second truth about words. Uh, the tongue is inherently evil. It's inherently evil. James 3.6 says, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is set on fire by hell. It is restless evil full of deadly poison. Do you know, you know, you know what's interesting? We tend, to, we tend to blame most of the bad things in our life on the devil. Oh, pastor, the devil, he's just really got me today. He came after me today. The devil's really brought a lot of torment in my life today. Uh, you know, the, 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 the reality was probably not the devil. It was probably your mouth. A lot of the things that you're, you're dealing with your life, you probably like spoke and opened the door to, and you opened the door to evil in your life, your tongue is inherently evil. It's comfortable with evil. You ever been to junior high? <laughs> Understand that you were born with an evil tongue. You go to junior high, man, you know your tongue is evil. Those kids torture you, right? Nobody, you know the one part of life very few people ever say, I sure wish I could go back to junior high. All right? That, those were the best years of my life. How often do you hear that? You don't. Because everyone is going through that. You don't have to teach your children to be mean. You have to teach them to be nice. Right? Because there's in, this inherent part in us. And, and this is the in, amazing thing because the next point is this. The tongue is humanly untamable. It's humanly untamable. So you're like, so what you're telling me is that I need to work on my tongue and it's impossible to succeed at it. Exactly. You cannot change your tongue. James 3, 7, 8 says all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of poison. With, with all the willpower you have, you can stop saying dumb things for three weeks. But the bad thing is, bad, the, the bad stores up, and at some point, you're going to empty the dumb locker, right? So, so part of the reason you hear the word series when we're going through this, and you're like, wow, 
this is horrible. And I see how it's impacting my relationships. I see how it's impacting my finance. I really see how words are impacting my life. And so I'm really trying to change, but I, I can't change. And I'm working real hard. I'm trying to make good decisions, but it's not happening. And then how many get frustrated when you're not doing it and then you just rather forget about it and act like it doesn't exist because you can't succeed at it? Anyone like that in here? That's what we do as humans. Because this may surprise you, I've never met anyone who says, I really look forward to failure. We don't enjoy failure. And so, when we feel, so but, the, but the point is, is when we put all of this on our willpower, your willpower will fail. I didn't say that it's impossible for your tongue to be tamed. I said it's humanly impossible for your tongue to be tamed. You are utterly and completely dependent on the Holy Spirit to tame your tongue. It comes right back to the Word of God. Jesus says, I am the Word. And we are completely dependent on the tree of life to live in us so that out of our heart comes life. Sure, we can stop what we're listening to, which will help what fills our heart, because you do what you want to do. I want to lose weight. No, you don't. If you did, you would. I want to read my Bible more. No, you won't. No, you don't. You do what you want. Say, say this with me. I, I do what I want. Right? That's the truth. So what has to change is your want. Your heart has to change. Something in here has to change so that you're doing it out of the want of your heart. God said that I gave you the desires of your heart because the desires are really the governor of your actions. They're the things that cause you to... So if our mouth is going to change, life in me has to change my heart. I am completely and totally dependent on Christ to change my life. Now, I can shut the door, the thing that's polluting my heart more, to my ear gate so that it doesn't continue to be polluted. I think God is changing our heart, but we haven't shut the gate. We haven't shut the door to all of the stuff that keeps flooding in. We need to shut the door because God has been changing your heart. He ain't changing. No, shut the door. Right? You know, it's in Revelation. This is incredible. You know the Battle of Armageddon? In a few weeks, we're actually going to be in Israel. And uh, we'll be standing at the valley where Armageddon is thought to be fought. It's huge valleys, an incredible, vast valley. And when, when we were doing the study in Revelation on a Wednesday night, we, we came to this place, the Battle of Armageddon, you think God's going to come. We're going to come on our horses with our swords, and we're going to cut up all the people, and I know who I'm looking for when I come back, and I'm going to battle, I'm going to chop them up. See, that attitude is totally broken. You probably knew that already, but <laughs> that, that's Like, I, can you see the one who died on the cross for all mankind to come to destroy man? He won't. You know why he won't? Because that's the character of Satan, to kill and steal and destroy. Jesus brings life. But, so we're studying it, as we're studying it, as you go through scriptures, this is actually what happens, and it describes the demise of the enemies at the Battle of Armageddon. It says their skin begins to literally disintegrate off their bodies. The muscles, then their circulatory, and then their bones in a, pot, a powder on the ground. You know what he does? It said the sword came out of his mouth. You know what it refers to? This is powerful with words. 
he recalls his word from them and they fall apart. Because his word holds all things together. That literally, when he said he calls his word back, they discover in that moment, I was only held together by his word. I didn't even believe he existed, by existed by the very word I doubted. Isn't it amazing? I live in the mercy of God every day. I don't even know when I'm living in it, but I'm living in his mercy every day. His word is life to me every single day. That's why he wants me to have relationship with the word because when I'm in relationship with the word, that word doesn't update in my system. That word begins to change me from the inside out. It begins to make things a lot easier than they've been because I recognize without his word holding me together, I'd be powder on the ground quite literally. That every morning I wake up, his mercies are new to me. It gives me reason to worship him. That in the midst of my failures, in the midst of my stupid decisions, in the midst of a mouth that doesn't speak life, God is still holding me together by his word that never fails. That's why I worship him. That's why I return the word that he put in me to hold me together. I return it to him in worship. Because he's worthy of worship. It doesn't matter what the song is. It doesn't matter what the band is. It just matters who he is. So is my tongue humanly untamable? Yes. But it's been tamed by the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to let the Holy Ghost work in me to change me. Here's the last one. The tongue is contrastingly productive. James 3, 9 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Listen to me, listen. This is why we don't allow the belief systems of people to infect and affect the way I love them. This is why I do not attack people that I don't agree with because they are the object of God's love. This is why I don't allow the enemy to use this mouth meant for his glory to then go and attack someone because they have policies and positions, because they have a belief system that does not align with mine. If anything, I need to bless them. If anything, I need to pray for them. Out of the same mouth came curses and praises. My brother, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can fig trees bear olives and grape vines figs? Neither can salt springs produce fresh water. You know, it's extremely unnatural. There is nothing else in nature that can produce two different fruits. But your tongue does. In one minute, we can bless somebody with our mouth. And in the very next minute, we can curse somebody with the mouth. Isn't it, isn't it amazing? We can bless God and then attack our president. And, and why can we do that? Because he doesn't, he, he's not a, he doesn't believe the Bible. You're missing it. 
You're missing it. God loves them. We need to start using our words to bring life to dead places. Right? So, if we're going to stop speaking death, it isn't going to be because you try harder. It isn't going to be because you try harder. It starts with believing. Believing that the life lives in me. And, it, and this is the one thing you can do to participate with the changing power. You can shut the gate. When you hear people that are speaking death, just step away. When you, you're watching something on Netflix and you see death, you need to shut it off. Because literally what's happening is God's changing you, but we're not stopping the flow of death into us. And we don't believe God's changing me because it's still coming out of my mouth, and he is. But you got to stop the flow. Right? You just shut it off. Shut it off. Right? I wouldn't do that to your wife in a fight, but <laughs> that might make it worse. Will you stand? Here, here's where you can start today. Shut it off, but here's where you can start today. First thing is to say, God, I submit my tongue to you. I submit my heart to you. I'm going to come. I'm submitting. Here I am, Lord. I submit to you. Would you judge the attitudes of my heart? And this is, this is a personal thing. It's an intimate thing. So before Pastor Zach says anything, he, he's up here. But before he says anything, I want you to just have that conversation with the Lord right now. Will you do that? Will you just say, Lord, I submit my heart and my mouth to you. You did that at salvation when you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth. You did that. Now let's do it with a mouth, Lord. I just tell him, I want, tell him what you want. I want a mouth that's life-giving. I want a mouth that changes atmospheres. I want people that clears the air where people will want to be around me. A mouth that is attractive to people. That literally they feel built up when they're done. That people that don't even know me would, would taste of the fruit of God in my life. And it would be good, Lord God. Let it come through. Just begin to talk to the Lord right now. Begin to talk to the Lord right now.